What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. Go to bitcoinandmarkets.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. All right, let's roll into part number two of the Bitcoin Fundamentals Report. You can find this at bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash R179. So the other big news of the week is the U.S. crowns a Bitcoin czar. U.S. Justice Department taps new cryptocurrency czar. I am going to read out of this article a little bit. The Justice Department named a veteran cybersecurity prosecutor to lead a new team dedicated to investigating and prosecuting illicit cryptocurrency schemes carried out by cyber criminals and nation states, including North Korea and Iran. I think the name is Ian Young Chow, will be the first director of the National Cryptocurrency Enforcement Team, which will serve as the focal point for efforts to identify and dismantle the misuse of cryptocurrencies and other digital assets. This is coming from Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco. Quote, if we're going to see, as I think we will, cryptocurrencies gaining more traction and gaining wider adoption, we've got to make sure that the ecosystem that they operate in can be trusted and, frankly, can be policed. We're going to make it our business to go after them and get those proceeds back and make it clear to them that they can't hide. So this is, that's another quote from Deputy Attorney General Monaco. So you guys can go to this article and read more about it. Uh, my takeaway from it was pretty simple. So, of course, Bitcoin now is, again, pushing itself into the limelight and if it's not, if it wasn't a threat, if it wasn't legitimate, possibly winning already, why would it necessitate a czar, right? If it, Bitcoin was just a fringe toy, a financial game, a Ponzi scheme, why would it necessitate an entire czar cryptocurrency team uh, over there at the Justice Department? So this is lending legitimacy to Bitcoin big time. Also, the language, it leads me to believe that much of their focus is going to be on scams, not necessarily using Bitcoin as money laundering, but uh, there is a whole industry called NFTs or altcoins that is, you know, a majority of their, any sort of their demand is for money laundering and for scams in general. So that I think as they take a closer look at the industry, Bitcoin, they're going to think is fine. And they're going to go more after the altcoins, which are horrible scams. They're horrible unregistered securities in the first place. Second off, most of them are Ponzi schemes. I don't ever want to see the government coming in and getting involved with this, but it's just like, you know, water running downhill. We know that this is nature. This is the laws of physics, and they will come after these scams. And so I, I don't promote them coming after it, but I understand that it will happen. And so they, I think as they go through this, they're going to find that these altcoins are just dens of thieves and liars. So I, I don't see how this is the worst news out there. I don't, again, I don't like it, but hey, that's how it is. Okay, next story, Bitcoin bill in U.S. Senate. Now this is a new proposed bill from the one of the houses of Congress in the U.S., and they just want to know, what are the risks to the U.S. of El Salvador making Bitcoin legal tender? 
is such a weird idea that they, okay, I, I detailed this on a, on a previous newsletter that when Arizona put out, they proposed the bill to make Bitcoin legal tender, you know, their GDP, just the state of Arizona is five times larger than El Salvador's GDP. A marginal state in the U.S., its own little GDP is five times larger than El Salvador. So, I mean, it is a big deal from a perspective of a domino falling, right? But with its effect on the U.S. dollar, there is going to, they're going to find that there's zero effect. So this bill, what it does is it just requires reports from all these government agencies to report on what are the effects to the U.S. dollar of El Salvador doing this Bitcoin law. And a lot of people are worried about it. They don't like this. I mean, I don't like government getting involved. Like I said, I'll say multiple times here. But the bill, I mean, there is a possibility that this turns out good. That there's positive outcome because these agencies could come out and say, look, there, there's zero risk here. There's zero risk from El Salvador doing this. And that would be a good thing, actually. Another thing that could be good that comes out of this is that it gives us valuable insight on where likely regulation is going to come from. I mean, we already know pretty much that the likely regulation is going to come in the form of custodial versus non-custodial wallets and things like that. But uh, this could highlight other things that we need to look at. So again, it's not going to affect Bitcoin at all. It's interesting that they're doing this. Uh, Bitcoin is on the tip of everybody's tongue and at the front of everyone's mind. Okay, next story is Ukraine legalizes Bitcoin. I'm going to get a little bit more into the Russia-Ukraine stuff here at the end, uh, but this story I just had to put in here from Bitcoin Magazine, Ukraine legalizes Bitcoin. Quote, Bitcoin is now legal in Ukraine as its parliament approved in final reading a bill that caters to the president's recommendations. However, the country has not made Bitcoin a legal tender, end quote. So, yeah, it's not a legal tender. It's just, just legalized. We, we, this is not a surprise either that this happened because a lot of these big oligarchs that are in Ukraine and even in Russia, you know, they own a lot of Bitcoin and they are politically powerful. So they aren't going to allow Bitcoin to be made illegal and uh, this is just, I wouldn't say this is a domino. Um, we're going to see a lot of this happen as countries feel outside financial stress. So right now, Ukraine is being invaded by Russia. They have this outside stressor. Russia is being sanctioned by the West. So they are feeling this outside financial stress. I think countries like that are going to be the first ones to adopt Bitcoin. So we will see where this goes. I mean, Russia has been friendly now to Bitcoin in the last couple of weeks, and now Ukraine is legalizing Bitcoin. So uh, very, very interesting development. Okay, let's get into price. So I write on this report, I say, to be honest, price is pretty depressing. But, you know, Bitcoin is making so many new inroads and getting adopted so widely around the world that this is just a very short-term, near-term kind of pullback. That is where holders make returns. People that buy when everyone else is panicking, when there's blood on the streets, those are the people that make the returns. And if you can hold it long-term through this roller coaster, through this extremely bearish and depressing market sentiment, those are the people that reap the returns in the end. 
that is who can hold on for the long haul. So this is just another one of those times where holders are earning their returns when the price is down like this. So uh, just keep strong. And <laughs> if you're a long-term holder, uh, this is nothing. This is nothing. I also put in here a weekly chart just showing that if we are to have a kind of a fractal repeat of the 2019 to 2020 cycle, then that one from breakout to breakout was 80 weeks. And if we measured this one from breakout to breakout, right now we're at 68 weeks. So by by 80 weeks, it would be interesting to see the price back up at all-time highs and possibly breaking out. So we have a couple months for that to happen. And Bitcoin moves so quickly. If you just look back uh, at the end of last year, from October through the end of the year, Bitcoin did just that. So it, it only takes Bitcoin a few weeks to rally from here back to the all-time high, and then it's ready to break out again. So that, that's what I'm looking at. I've been talking about this second kind of two-year cycle now for a little while. I even did a podcast episode on it just last couple weeks ago. So that's what I'm looking at, and that's what the charts are saying this week. All right, let's move on to mining. Mining news for this week is ConocoPhillips. They are selling extra gas to Bitcoin miners in North Dakota. Uh, one of the big byproducts of mining oil is natural gas. So you find in oil deposits, you usually find that it uh, has a layer of natural gas on top of it. And if you don't have easy way to transport that natural gas or a cheap way to transport that natural gas, like a pipeline or something, you have to flare it. That's what they do. They just have a pipe sticking out of the ground where natural gas is flowing out and they light it. All right, it's very environmentally destructive Is are these flares. What Bitcoin and several companies now in Bitcoin, what they do is they provide these uh, containers, these 40-foot containers filled with Bitcoin miners and a generator that will run off this flare. They'll run off this gas, okay? And you can mine Bitcoin with it. The studies have, or there has been studies recently that say that this type of Bitcoin mining reduces the emissions of the flare by 63%. That's dramatic. What other renewable resource or sustainable energy technology have you guys seen in the last 20 years that had legitimately reducing emissions by 63%? Very, very few. And that's what Bitcoin mining is doing to these oil flares or these natural gas flares. The Bitcoin Mining Council also estimated that the energy consumption mix for Bitcoin is 58% sustainable resources. So that would be wind, that would be geothermal, that would be these gas flares, that would be other things. So these are sustainable, long-term, net neutral sources of energy. And no one will ever be talking about that. I mean, hopefully they will. But people like Elizabeth Warren, they're in the Congress. They're going to be fighting this tooth and nail and just lying through their teeth about Bitcoin's environmental impact. When, when Bitcoin is by far the most sustainable industry that we have out there. I end this section saying that Bitcoin is leading the charge to reinvent the energy industry. It will push efficient uses of efficient energy sources by aligning incentives through capitalism. It's a beautiful thing. 
All right, getting into hash rate and difficulty. The hash rate did hit an all-time high. Difficulty jumped 4% right before I released the report. Uh, it does look like it might be on pace for a 2 to 3% decline in the next. That would come up in another week because it happens about every 13 days, uh, between 13 and 14 days that the difficulty adjusts. Uh, but yeah, Bitcoin, the price is not at all-time highs, but hash rate is. It's right there at all-time highs. And uh, so I think that is a vote of confidence and just shows that mining is turning into a professional industry and it's going to be very hard to push these people out of where they are going to make a big difference uh, for the local economies, for the national economies, everywhere. Okay. And now the last section is on geopolitics and macro. Um, I've been talking about Russia for, I believe I talked about it in mid January on the report, and I said that uh, something would occur in the next six weeks or by the end of February, and it does look like that is occurring right now, actually, as I'm recording this. Uh, but the video I link is from S2 Underground. It's a great channel on YouTube. You can tell by the way this guy talks because I was connected with military intelligence uh, in my previous life. That you can tell by the way this guy talks, uh, he is in it right now. So, and this is all unclassified data, but it's really, really well done. And it does, it shows a lot of information that we just don't get on the mainstream media. We don't get anywhere, really. Even people that in macro that talk about this stuff, um, you know, they just don't have the expertise. So this is a, a great, a great update that I link in the newsletter. Bottom line, what he is saying is the troop buildup is so great and they have strategically showed their cards so much that there's no way to retreat at this point. And he believed that a Russian invasion or incursion into Ukraine was imminent. And now, as it turns out, last night, it looks like Russia is going into the Donbass and setting up basically military uh, bases. And this is under the guise of keeping the peace, probably is. I've also seen other intelligence that most of the shelling is coming from the Ukrainian side into the Russian side, but we don't know. They, these are things that um, we can't know. We just know that these troops are here and where they're kind of moving to and things of that nature. We can't place blame. There is no blame to be placed, actually, in, in this type of conflict. It's it's all a very developing, fluid situation. Uh, but the end result, I still believe, is going to be Russia taking over probably the eastern half of Ukraine, all the way down to Odessa and taking that Black Sea coast. So a very tense situation, uh, has lots of ramic ramifications for the European economy. And if the euro crashes because of this, if there's capital flight out of Europe because of this, it could be a very good day for Bitcoin because Bitcoin is where people will fl flee as one of those places people will flee, including the dollar. So anyway, that's it for this issue of the Fundamentals Report. Don't forget to subscribe. Go to BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Just become a free member. That way you get this in your email box every Friday. All right, guys. Check you later. Peace.